0: Well good morning, all seasons. Uh, today I want to take us in our Bibles to Second Peter, Second Peter chapter one, and beginning at verse 12 through 15 will be my text for today, but I'm going to speak on basically verses one through fifteen. There are certain sections of the Bible that, that stick out to me and are and are cornerstone for my life. Uh, During this last week of camp meeting, if you were there, we had a, a wonderful time, but what I noticed about all of that is as people get older and as speakers begin to speak, they always refer back to what they remember, to there are certain cornerstones. The morning Bible teacher, he would tell you emphatically, Nehemiah. That's that's if when I'm when I'm down or up, when I want to do something, when I want to teach, I go to Nehemiah. And 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 there's other ones that would go to Daniel, and that's his story. That's the story I go to. Some like David, and they just love the whole story of David, or or, or Joshua, or Joseph, or whatever it might be. And and for me, it's not so much a story as much as remembering a process. I always tell you guys all the time, for me, it's always process. I'm a big process person. And so even the morning Bible teacher was talking about that you can do everything, but if you don't have a strategic, God is very strategic. God is, he has a strategy. He doesn't just uh, willy-nilly just start doing something. He has an end in mind and already before he begins the process. And so even with me, even though it looks like most of the time I'm running around and I don't know what I'm doing, and, and it's like, man, is he even even no? I do. Because I didn't get started until I already had a picture in my mind and a picture written down or I've done drawn it on paper and I know exactly what it's supposed to look like when I get there. I just don't get caught up in the details because I have found out in life, life doesn't quite play out like I like it to day by day. I may get there, but it doesn't always play out the way I have it in mind. I I, I go out and go fishing. And the goal is at the end of the day when I drive in, I want to have fish in the boat. Now, sometimes I go to one spot, two spots, three spots. I ain't caught no fish. Now, it's, it's like the process is struggling. The process, this is not going like I wanted. I'm looking for birds. I'm looking for anything to chase. to find. Has anybody found a fish anywhere out here? Has anybody caught anything? i call calling people who's, who's fish lately. Hey, what are you using? What baits are you I may go through all kinds of problems in the process, but as long as I drive back up in the end of the day and the boat is full of fish, I've accomplished my goal. That was the way I had it pictured. And so in life, understand, this is, for each one of us, what has to take place and what has to go forth. So for me, it's process. For Peter, it's process. And and, and that's why I like him so much. I love Peter because even though he seems like he's just this, and he gets such a bad rep, as this guy who just comes off and says crazy things. I'm going to tell you about Peter. Peter has an end game always in mind. And Jesus was not just accidentally when he looked over at the disciples and has his eyes on Peter and says, are you going to leave me too? He could have asked Thomas that and Thomas would have said, you know, that doesn't sound bad. But he turns toward Peter when he says that and Peter says, where else do we have to go? He said, I've already thought this thing through. I may, I may go up and down sometimes, but I've thought this through. i got nowhere else to go. You are the man. You are the Christ. I may not like what you're doing. I may not understand what you're doing. It may crush me at times, but let me tell you something. i got no intention of quitting. I've got no intention of going back. i got an intention of finishing this course. Even though I don't even understand what it's supposed to look like yet, I am going to finish whatever it is. Now, understanding that, Peter now is an old man. And in 2 Peter, about two years earlier, he's written 1 Peter to just the general church. He doesn't uh, write it to a specific people. In fact, he says when he writes, he says grace and peace, which means he's writing to a Jewish and a Gentile group. He doesn't just say grace to you. If he does, that would be just the Jewish people. Grace be unto you. But he says grace and peace. And he uses those terms all the time because he's writing to a mixed company. Peter is fixing to, within the next year, be dead. Him and his wife will both be killed. Historians talk about how he's crucified upside down. His wife is crucified and killed with him. He will die under the hands of Nero. Two of the most prominent leaders in the Christian movement at that time will die under the hands of this crazy individual. The Apostle Paul will die under the hands of Nero, and so will Peter. He's done written one letter, and he comes back, and he wants to write one more letter to this group. And it's an important letter, because it's not talking about him walking on water. He's not, he's not sharing in his memories all the things that we would think. that. Oh, let me tell you, the time man, I saw Lazarus raised from the dead. His memories do not go there. His memories do not go to some great church service he had at one time. Listen to me as we read verses 12 through 15. And let's get the feel of this man who is writing to a group of people something that he thinks is so important that before I die, I need you to know this. In fact, listen to how he says it. For this reason, I will not be negligent of mind to remind you always of these things. Though you know and are established in the present truth, and you have a certain present truth, yes, I think it is right, as long as I am in this tent, as long as I'm alive, to stir you up, By what? Reminding you. Knowing that shortly I must put off this tent, just as our Lord Jesus showed me. Moreover, I will be careful to ensure that you always have a reminder of these things after I am deceased. You see how how important this is to him? He's repeating it over and over. If you go to chapter 3 of this same book and you see the very first lines, he's going to say the same thing. He's going to say, look, I am, I'm imploring you. I am, I'm going to keep reminding you. I'm going to keep saying these things over and over and over until it becomes natural to you. So what is it so much that Peter is caught up in that he says, I want you to know this? What is it that Pastor Lot, in, in the process of things, wants you to know? If Pastor Lot was to die today, if, if it was to come to an end, and, and I said, I have finished what I need to finish at all seasons, what would it look like? It is it a building? Is it numbers? Is it anything? No, none of that matters. It is that I have taught you and I've shown you the process by which life moves. So that whether you are here or whether you are gone, I don't care if it's my children and and they move away and one's in Clovis, New Mexico or wherever they may be. What I want to know is when they walk away, do you understand, have you learned from your father how life operates and how life works? And I don't care if you remember all the stories and I don't care if you remember all the moments and all the birthdays, but do you have the principal things that are going to transform your life? Do you have the principal things that will move you forward day after day and moment after moment? Do you have the things that 40 years from now you can still be trucking along and still be living the gospel life and still be doing what God's called you to do when others have fallen and others have quit and others got their feelings hurt and others decided, God, don't love me. Do you still have the process and the presence of God to press on? Well, then what is it that's so important to the Apostle Peter? Well, let's read, and and I'm going to show it to you in four points. There are four distinct things that Peter wants them to know, and I want you to know. Number one is this, is that your life has an investor. That your life has an investor. Or if you want to write it this way, your life has a promiseer. In a contract, there is two different people. There is the promisee, and there is the promiseer. The promiseer has taken all weight on himself. The promiseer has said, I, in my own name, when I sign this contract, am guaranteeing that I will fulfill it. That I will make it happen, that I myself, no no other help, I will do it. And so here's what Peter begins in chapter one of verse one. Here's what he says to show them the understanding of this investor or this promiseer. Simon Peter, a bond servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ. To those who are of obtained like precious faith, with us by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Notice how Peter describes himself. He first says, I am Peter. That's who I am. Who gave him that name? Jesus. He says, my name is Petro. Not Petra, but Petro. My name is Petro. My name is Pebble. This is who I am. I am a small rock. I am a little stone. My master gave me my name. I am Simon Peter. A bond servant One who was called to serve him. One, and when you say bond servant, it means someone who has chosen to be a servant. Someone who was not made a servant, but someone who has laid down their life and said, I have chosen to give my life to this master. I have chosen to follow him. I have chosen to choose him. I have chosen that he will be the one. If he says jump, I say how high. If he says run, I say how far. If he says go, how much do you want me to go? I have no decision making in the process I am a little stone that has decided on its master and I have chosen Jesus Christ and I am also an apostle which means I am one who is sent out I'm one who was named I am one who was called and I am the one who was sent out to share this gospel that Jesus gave to us, to those who have obtained like passionate faith, for those of us in this room who says, I know what he means by that, I know what the understanding of salvation is I understand he has given me a new name, he has called me a son and a daughter of the most high I know that he has called me out of the world, I know that he's called me into his family, I know that he's called me to be a servant, as Jesus said in his time, I have taken on no place. I have not taken anything of my own. I have taken on the form of a servant. So Peter says, I have taken on the form of a servant. Well, guess what? The master has told you that you're not above him. If he is a servant and the apostles were a servant, then hey, hot dog, I'll guess what you are. You are born to be a servant of the master. You are born to be one who says, just whatever you need me to do, that's what I'll do. Wherever you need me to go, that's where i'll go whatever you call me in position that's why i don't have any place i don't have any title i don't have anything that means anything of this world i belong to you and now i'm an apostle which means i'm sent out to share that message with as many as i can i don't want to get caught up in too much i'm already stuck on the first verse verse two Grace and peace, we talked about that, be multiplied to you in the knowledge. Now, this word knowledge literally means uh, knowledge that is not learned knowledge. This is transforming knowledge. This is what happens when God came into your life and just transformed your life. Old things passed away. New things are in your life. When God came in, not only did he call you and make you part of his family, he transformed you in a moment, in a twinkling. just It's amazing how when you are serious and you do this, there is a transformation that takes place. The power of the Holy Ghost that comes into your life. And all of a sudden, everything that once was important is not important. Things that used to mean something don't mean something. And he says, this is what's happened to you just like it happened to me. Verse 3, as His divine power has given to us some things or a lot of things that pertain to life and godliness. Look at the person beside you and said, He's given you everything. He's given you everything. I I don't know why we keep praying to God all the time. Lord, I wish you'd give me everything. That's the dumbest prayer you'll ever pray when you ask God to give you something. He's already given you. There's no no promises. There's nothing that he can give you that he hasn't already given you. You, being a representative of his son Christ, have the same authority, power, position. That's why he says you are seated in heavenly places with me. You already have that. That's not saying we operate in it and we'll talk about that. That's the problem. Why is it that some people, Brother Locke, can believe for things and some people operate in it and some people have incredible faith and some people can, can do those things. And then some of us, we, we, we do pretty good during church, but by Monday morning we pretty much curled up in a ball again. Well, what's the problem? I'm going to show it to you. It's not God. God is the promiseer. And the promise has said, I have promised you and I have fulfilled all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us into the glory and virtue by which have been given to us exceedingly and great and precious, what? Promises. Here's the problem. They were not given to you in the form of something substantive. It was not that God just simply made money rain down out of heaven. It's the fact that he says, heaven will supply all your needs. Well, what if you just supply all my needs and let the money? No, I'm not going to let the money rain down. Do you need money? No, but I'd like to see it. Well, I'm not going to show it to you. Well, that stinks. I thought you said I had everything. You do, but you have them in the form of promises. That's how you have them. Everything you have is in the form of a promise that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature. So inside of you is a new nature and in this new nature it's crying out all the time, speak like God. Walk like God. Talk like your father. Now, we know that there's another nature that's still attached to us, the flesh. And it says, don't do it. You're going to look dumb. What if it doesn't happen? What if it fails? Anybody have to wrestle with that all the time? Sure you do. That, that's life. And that's what Peter's telling him. He said... I am come by to remind you one more time that inside of you is a divine nature, that you have divine promises, that everything that is needed to be given has already been given to you. You are the walking representative, the ambassador of God. You need to know who you are and you need to know the power that you possess and you need to operate and walk in that and stand in that and be able to overcome every problem with that. Let me just give it to you in a few. If, if somebody looks at me and says, you know, brother, I really don't know what I need to do. I, I, really, you know, I don't know what I'm needing to do right now. I don't know. Well, that's dumb. That's dumb. Why? Because what is Proverbs? Well, every group of kids that step up here and they line up, but what do I tell them? If you will acknowledge God in all your ways and lean not on your own understanding, but acknowledge him, he will, He'll do what? He will direct your paths. Is that a promise? Well, see, from the time I was young, that's the way I live. I don't have a plan, I don't have an agenda, I don't have anything. God, I've acknowledged you in all my ways. I have put you first in all my ways. The first money that I get, I pay my tithes. I've acknowledged you in my finances, I acknowledge you in my lifestyle, I acknowledge you in everything that I do. And so here's the thing, when I run into a bump in the road, I close my eyes and I say, God, here's what I need to know. If, if it don't matter which way I go, I'm blessed here and I'm blessed there, then I don't need to see anything. But if there's something ahead of me that's going to stop me or hurt me, then I speak that you'll close. whatever door needs to be closed you'll open whatever door needs to be open and God no matter how much I beg and want something don't give me what I want don't give me what I'd like to have I may want a boyfriend but you know what if that boyfriend ain't no good for me then you make sure I can't get to him you make sure I can't get a hold of him you make sure he can't get near me you know what if there's a girl I'm not supposed to be with you make sure she I see it clearly I want to see how much junk she is and I want to know it but if it's the right one then God made every door open let it happen And in my life, I have realized that He directs the steps of those who follow Him. He directs the steps of the righteous, those that decide. Is that a promise? Yes, that's a promise. Why are you staying up worrying about how your life is going to go? You want to get saved? It's real hard. He made a promise. For if you confess your sins, he's what? Just and faithful to forgive you, maybe. No, he made a promise. I'm the promise here. I made you a promise. Confess your sins. And I am just and faithful to forgive you of all your sins. Anybody want to live a winning life? I mean, you just want to, you just want to live a life that you ain't got to be all stressed out devil just wearing you out, just beating you up and just, I mean, would anybody like that? Raise your hand. Just go ahead and let God know because I want God to be able to help you here. Go with me to James four verses five through eight. James four verses five through eight. I'm going to help you out. Look at the person beside you and say, God gave you a promise. He said, Or do you think that the scripture says in vain? That's his word. He's given you a promise. The spirit who dwells in us yearns jealousy. In other words, he he hates it when you get off the reservation, he hates it when you speak something that he hasn't spoken. Well, I guess I'm going to die. The spirit's like, Shut up. I didn't tell you that. He yearns jealousy. So that you'd speak what God has said. Listen to the next verse. But he gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, those who who don't want to yield and be a servant and and, and be an apostle, those who are proud that want to be their own boss. He says he resists the proud, but he gives grace, the ability to do what they cannot do to the humble. And here's the next verse. Therefore, since you know this, since I just taught it to you, Real simple now. I mean, therefore, since you know this, submit to God, resist the devil, and you got a promise. He'll run from you. Holy shit, but the devil gave me fits this week. I was like, well, you should have lived on promises. And it's never good because understand this maturity has nothing to do with age. I hang around 70-year-old pastors that don't have my maturity. They've been preaching for 50 years. And still, boy, the devil been after me this week. I'm like, dude, you should have learned something by now. I don't know. I don't know how this thing is going to... What? Do you not know, Jeremiah says, I know the plans I have for you, plans to do you good and not to do, I made a promise over you. God didn't have you born and then said, oh yeah, you, I just decided it's going to be some real bad stuff for you. No, God said, I made plans when I had you born and the plans that I make are always for good. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil and he will, verse 8. Draw near to God, and he will I just don't feel God, brother lot. well, if you quit hugging yourself and hug God, I just don't feel good. draw near to God, and he's made a promise. I will draw near to you this is the problem in life it's not promises it's not it's not that God hasn't done in fact, let me go ahead and tell you, and I need to hurry. There are over, one guy decided he was just going to look them up. Took his time in the Bible. There are over 7,500 promises in the Bible. That's why why when a preacher stands up and says, you don't have a problem that God don't have an answer. They're not doing that to be facetious. They're not doing that to just be uh, cute. They're telling you, tell me your problem. We're going to find it. I bet God said something about your issue. I bet God, somewhere in his contract with you, gave a promise. I bet God didn't fail you. Let me see if I can show it to you in an Old Testament story that'll make more sense. Go with me to Joshua 1, verses 1 through 9. And see if this this is this sounds better. Because stories make it easier, right? Peter's telling it, but Old Testament is stories. Here's what he says. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my, not Moses, the great pastor, not Moses, the great leader, not Moses, the, Moses, as God looks at you, it's only one way or the other. Either you are or you are not my. He said, Moses, my servant, is dead. Arise now. Go over this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am. God says, now go, because I give it to you. I've given you a promise. It's already given to you. It's yours. Well, then, then why don't just everybody just leave it? Because you've now got to go possess it. It's still the same process. Joshua, I gave it to you. Well, good, man. Well, we'll just load up and get on over there, and it should be. No, 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 no. There's still giants there, Joshua. You're going to have to speak them gone. There's still walled cities over there, Joshua. You're going to have to praise your way through them. There's still issues over there, Joshua. I've just told you you can't lose. But I didn't tell you you're going to win. I made you a promise you can't lose. But it's up to you whether you're going to win. Look at that person beside you and tell them, it's up to you whether you're going to win. We come to church because we can't lose. We love to hear about God and sing about God and all his wonderful ways because God can't lose. But what kills us when we walk out and get in our cars is, is it hits us we may not win. And that can only come because of the faith and the life that we've chose to live. Nice. This nice says this. Go over you and all this people to the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have... That's pretty cool. I've used that scripture a million times. This is one of my favorite passages as far as parts of the Bible. First Peter, 2 Peter, what I'm preaching to you, and this... When my mind goes to remembering, this is what it remembers. This is what it remembers. The promises. The promises. He says, Joshua, every place the sole of your foot lands. I can't tell you how many times we walked around. In fact, the land that we built this building on, me and Kenneth, made this one happen. You say, how did y'all make this one happen? Because we went to a church... And just checking them out, seeing what all they had and looking. And they were telling a story the pastor was when he was there. He said, you know how we got this land? And, and we were like, no, man. I mean, you're in the middle of Atlanta area. Man, it must have been. And he said, no, we walked out here with a stick and, and, and we stuck it in the ground and claimed it for God. He said, we walked out here and stuck that stake in the ground and said, we've stepped here. This is ours. Can't nobody else get it? And, and, and he said, God just made a miracle. We came back here. Me and Kenneth snuck onto this property, got us a stick. Stuck it in the ground and said, I don't know when and I don't know where, but I know it's going to happen. How did all seasons grow, Brother Lott? I'll tell you how it grew. It happened at 2 o'clock in Fred's parking lot, which ain't even there anymore. When I was going home from church one day and God said, stop. I was like, stop. He said, you got to speak to it now. And I stood there and I I said, as far as Jackson... And I, I spoke in every direction from north, east, south, and west. He told me certain barriers don't go beyond this barrier because it won't work. Stop at this barrier. He said, But you speak all the way to there, and you speak all the way to there, and you speak all the way to. There. And I was standing here at two o'clock in the morning, Fred's parking lot, hoping I don't get shot. And I'm sitting there thank God, in the name of Jesus, man, I'm sitting there having church, telling, telling the enemy, I'm telling you, as far as this, people are coming to all season. And people are coming to all seasons. And people are coming to all season. It, it, what are you saying? Every place the sole of your foot will tread to him. I give it to you. Just like I said to Moses, and just like I've said to every other person that's ever followed me. I didn't do a miracle for one that I won't do for you. Verse 4 From the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, the great sea toward the going down of the sun, shall be your territory. That's how God keeps promising. He doesn't just say, you know, you're going to get a little bit. No, no, he, he, just, he just like, this is your, wherever your foot is. I mean, this is all your, ter- name it out, Lebanon, LA, it's your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you, nor will I forsake you. Be strong and of good courage. Now, why would I need strength if God has said he's going to give it to me? Why do I need to pray? I'm just going to sit here and wait for God. You're going to be waiting a long time. Some of y'all waste a lot of time in your life. You waste a lot of energy in your life doing nothing. When you should be doing something. Preparing for the next door. If if I had a voice, if I was a singer, and some of y'all in here are singers and and you're not singing yet, you're not on stage yet, and you're like, well, they don't you know. Then you need to get you a place, a room in your house and put some phone panels all up and start practicing singing and doing singing and worshiping and singing. What good's that going to do? Well, ask David how tur- how it turned out for him. Sometimes sitting out in the middle of the field with nothing but a sheep and a dog looking at you and they're like, y'all going to get to hear it today, dog. You sheep, y'all can fix hear me play and sing today. I'm telling you, I got nobody else, but I'm singing to God and you happen to be my audience today. It turned out pretty good for David because the Bible says that when he told Samuel, he said, I've rejected Saul, but I have found me a man. Where'd he find him? Out in the field somewhere practicing and singing and doing his thing. Y'all get all caught up in moments and events. Events and moments are temporary, but who you are is something that can't be smooth. Joshua, be strong and courageous. For this people you shall divide an in inheritance of the land which I swore to your fathers to give them. Only be strong and <sighs> what did you have to work on in your life? Being strong and courageous. When I look at y'all and I look and I tell you, man, I'm good looking. You know how many times I have to look in a mirror and like, I don't know, I'm getting pretty. No, 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 I'm good looking. (laughs) I'm I'm all right. Look at him, man. I'm I'm all right. I'm so dumb. No, I ain't. I'm not dumb, man. I'm telling you, I can be anything I need. I have to choose to be strong and courageous. You don't get zapped with that. I don't care how much Holy Ghost you get. That's what I worry about when we go to camp meetings. And I love camp meetings. I love the service. Love, but here's what the problem people that go are looking for. What they can't get. They, they get the zap, which is the promise. And at the moment when they're standing there, the, the, the preacher and everybody saying, Oh, you fix to go back and God's fix to do this. You fix to go back and do this. You fix to go back. And every bit of it's true. If... You will be strong and courageous and look a giant in the eye and say, I ain't dying today. You are. To look at a city and say, We're not losing today. We're just going to screen you down. Until you get courageous, the moments won't make a difference. That's pretty cool to have a moment with God where He's talking to you and telling you what you're going to get and what. But listen, verse 8. Do not turn. The book of the law shall not depart from your... That's why, that's why I have to say the things I say. Because that's what the law says. God says, when I made you, I made you... Spe-. If you read David's Psalms, he said, oh, he he was showing out when he made me. You knew my parts and you put me together. You, you, you knew me. you, you got to be able... To be strong and courageous when the enemy comes with something that doesn't align with what God says, you've got to be strong enough to say that's a lie. I will not accept it. The book of the law shall not depart out, but you shall meditate on it day and night, and you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. Verse nine, verse. Have I not commanded you? <laughs> it's amazing. I just like he's nailing this part. Now all the promises part's gone now. And now it's just he's, have I not told you? Let me tell you one more time. Suck it up, buttercup. Let me tell you one more time. Put your big boy pants on. Let me tell you one more time. You got to leave these doors sooner or later. You got to go face your mother-in-law sooner or later. You got to go to that job sooner or later. You got to deal with this crazy world sooner or later. Have I not come be as strong and courageous? Do not be afraid. Don't be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you. I've done made a promise. I'm not backing off of it. Number one, you've got to have an investor. Let me hurry. You've got to have an investor in your life. Peter said, I had an investor. I had one who invested in me. My Lord and Savior, Jesus, invested in me. He gave me promise after promise. And my life has been a, a living testimony of His, even though He knows He's dying. Even though He knows He's fixing to die. He's fixing to, he said, you don't understand, I can't go anywhere or everything I've done, I've accomplished everything, my Father, everything Jesus wants. The only way they can kill me is because they, God says, it's time. And the only reason I know it's time is because, what does he say in verse 14 and 15? He came by and told me, Peter, it's about that time. It's about that time. Number two, think of it this way. If you're going to build a house, the first thing you have to have is an investor. If I said, I got a piece of property and I want to build a house. And I go to an investor, say I go to a bank. And I tell this bank, look, I know y'all can guarantee what I'm fixing to do. And I need y'all to guarantee my house. I need you to open me a line of credit. I need, I need you to, to give me a checkbook that says I can do it. I need you to be the promiseer for what I have and what I feel like I'm supposed to do. The bank looks at me and says, okay, we will be the promiseeer for what you want to do. But here's, here's the thing we need from you, Tim. We need, we need plans. What's the plan that you're going to do to get there? What's the plan that you're going to do to accomplish it? See, I've got me a promiseeer, and, and this is where people struggle in their walk with Christ because I, got, I know Jesus Well, I know where Community Bank is too. I can drive by it all I want. I can I can even walk up in there and hey, waving everybody, how y'all doing? Hey, hey, Pastor Lott, how you doing? But that's totally different than me walking in there with a set of plans and walking up to one of the loan officers and saying, I need you to guarantee what I he's gonna say, Tim, what are you wanting to build? Show me the plans so we can figure out how much this thing is going to take. And here's what Peter says. God not only is the promiseer, but he also says, I know the plans. I know where I want to get you. I know what I want to do. And you're going to have to go through the process with the plans. You can't veer from it. You're going to have to do what the plans say to make it work. Let me show you verse 5. Here's what he says. But also, for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith. So I have faith. I got me a promise here. I got someone who's got my back. He loves me, won't forsake me. And he says, Show me your plans. Well, here's the plan. I start off with my faith. And to my faith, I'll start working. And we'll talk about the next one. I add to my faith virtue, goodness. I'm going to live the right way, do the right thing. I'm going I'm to act the right way. I'm going to talk the right way. I am bringing to God virtue. And God is building within me more virtue. Things that I used to say, it'd be like, "Eh, I don't need to be saying that anymore. I'm growing in virtue. I'm building upon the foundation of faith. And this is hard because what we want to be able to do is just sit on the slab because that's really what foundation is. If faith is a slab, when when I used to build with people, isn't it amazing how you ever, somebody will show you, say, hey, we're building a house and all they've got is a slab and you go stand on it, you're thinking, this is going to be a little bitty place. Anybody ever do that? When you're just standing on the slab and you're just standing on faith and you're like, this is not going to be a whole lot. How many square feet did you say? Oh, it's almost 3,000 square What? Man, it looks like I can almost reach from end to end in this thing. It's amazing how faith on its own. That's why the Bible says it this way. Faith without works Do you understand what he's trying to tell you? Faith without works is dead. Why? Because if you just stand on faith and you don't add works to it, it begins to look small. Faith without works starts to look small. Like, this ain't going to mount to What? What good is this? What, what, we can't accomplish anything with this. This is not going to work. So he says, I'm giving you plans to start putting walls up, and I'm giving you the access to it so you can do it. If you will go about it, you will accomplish what I need you to accomplish. Here's what he says. But also, for this very reason, add to your virtue and to virtue, knowledge. To knowledge, self control, to self control, perseverance. Notice how you're constantly building. I'm growing gaining knowledge. Now this is a different kind of knowledge. This is knowledge where you've got to read. These, these promises ain't just going to jump out to you unless you read them. These promises aren't going to come to your memory unless you've read them. So you've got to dig them out. You've got to fight them out. If I look at you and say, you can be healed today. Some of you are going to look at me and say, I don't know about that. Why? Because you've watched, you know, MSNBC or something, the Nickelodeon channel. or Somebody told you that, that you can't be. So now you're wrestling with it. See, all I got is this. Lay hands upon the sick and they shall recover. I don't know. I don't know. That just sounds pretty steady to me. Ask anything in my name, believing, and you shall have it. It's pretty simple to me. I really don't care what anybody else says. And they say, well, that's not, well, just shut up. Don't, don't, don't mess with my, my good life. I like it the way it came out. That's the way he said it. I like it that way. I don't need some liberal theologian. Well, you know, in the Greek and the Latin, it don't always mean, I don't care about always. I want to know what it means to me. And what the Spirit told me it means to me is, Tim, don't you worry about getting sick because you're going to get healed. Don't worry about going down, Tim, because you're coming back up. And so you add to that knowledge and you add perseverance and self-control and to perseverance, godliness. We're getting higher now. Notice we're getting to where we're acting like we're acting godly. By the time you get to here, it's when people look at you, you just think you're just too good for us. No, what's happening is you are becoming too good for them. Not, Not because you as a person is, but your lifestyle is so much better. And it's now convicting them. Just like they don't like coming to church now you are the church walking in their house. Well, guess what? They don't want you there. You think they better that. No, it's not that. It's just that I've learned perseverance, I've learned all the other stuff. I've added to my life. My house is being built on my foundation. It's looking good. People are running electrical wires in it, and you're still sitting there on your slab. And you're mad because you're living on a slab. And you don't want to pay the price to have a house. Because the house don't come just because God gave you a slab. You've got to work with Him. To godliness, brotherly kindness. We're going up. Now you don't even think about yourself, you're caring about other people. And then he takes it to the highest level and he says, to brotherly kindness, just pure love. For if these things are yours and abound, means if they're flowing out of you, if, if love is flowing out of you, kindness is flowing out of you, genera- if, if all this stuff is flowing out of you, then your house is being built. And people drive by like, Dad is a house. Dad is a house. Number three you got to have an investor, you got to have plans or a process, and we showed that. Peter said, listen, you've got to work it out. Look at the person beside you and say, you've got to work it out. It seems strange because in our society we fall from one extreme to the other. We're either in the grace side where it's like we don't have to do nothing, And God does it all. And we can just foul it up and mess it up and cuss it up and whatever else we want to do. And God just, He just, you know, I got you. And then there's the other extreme where it's like we're just trying to live for the Lord. And we're just trying to do right. And we're just trying. Did you see how Joshua was told? Joshua, I got you. But I need you to work with me. See how Peter is saying it? That's how he says it. For if these things are yours and abound with you, you will neither be barren nor unfruitful in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these things, listen, for he who lacks these things is short-sighted, even to blindness, and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old. So you're standing on a slab, but you don't want to do anything. Peter said, don't be that way. If you want your life better in here, then make your life better. How do I make my life better? Find a promise of God and then work it out. Work it out. This is hard. We don't like this. Peter didn't like this. This was, this was where Peter struggled. I just want to be second in command. No, Peter, you got to work it out. Paul didn't like this. Go with me to Philippians. I'll show, you, I'll show you from another angle. Philippians 2, verses 5 through 16. Here's how the apostle Paul would say it. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Paul says, I've struggled with something, and I want to show it to you who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. In other words, if he had wanted to, he could have said, I ain't got to do nothing. I'm equal to God. But made himself what? No reputation, taking the form of a bondservant, notice, and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. That's what it says. Therefore God hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. In other words, because of what Jesus did, he built the house. He built the house. But how did he build it? By God said, I promise you, if you'll do what I ask you to do, I promise you, if you'll humble yourself, I promise you, if you'll be obedient, I promise you, if you'll live in self-control, I promise you, if you'll live in loving others more than yourself, I promise you, if you do this, I will establish you. And Jesus said, I'll do it. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow, those things in heaven, those things on earth, things under the earth and that every tongue should confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of the Father. Now, I'm going to show you the next scripture, and this is one that bothers a lot of people, but now that I've said this, it'll make sense. People's always, you know, this one scripture always causes a lot of controversy, but it's really not when you understand what I just told you. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, Not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. Work out. Work out your what? Work out your salvation. With fear and trembling. Oh, if I could just teach the church that. God's made a promise. You're standing on the foundation. If I was to ask you, do you believe in Jesus? Do you believe He died on the cross? Do you believe? It? Yeah, yeah, I guess, yeah, I guess. But that faith won't, won't build a house. And that faith won't stand against this world. The world's like, that's it? You act like me, talk like me, dress like me. The only difference is you stand on that that one rock. Yeah. Well, I don't want it then. But that was not the point. The point was for you to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Listen to what it says. For it is God who works in you both the will and to do His good pleasure. Do all things without complaining or disputing, that you may become blameless, harmless children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse See, until we build a house, the world can't tell the difference. If we're just as crooked and we're just as messed up and we're just as addicted and we're just... Then the world... It's, it's not that that I want to not be addicted just because I don't want to be hooked on some some alcohol or hooked on something. That's not it. I don't want to be a gambling addict. I don't want to be hooked on, on, on marijuana. I don't want to be hooked on alcohol. I don't want to be... Hooked. Why? So that I might show the world... The fullness of what God came to give them. <laughs> See, I don't, I don't not drink so God will like me. I, God already likes me. I don't not do those things so I can try to prove to God I'm a good person. Look, I'm a good person. I don't go to them casinos. That's not why I don't go to casinos. I'd be eating at them buffets all the time if I could. But I don't. Why? So that I might show you that I don't need a casino to get my extra $20. Or for my entertainment. That I can, through Christ, find the completeness of my life and the joy of my life. If you can understand that, then you understand how to reach the world. that you may become blameless, harmless children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perversion among whom you shine as lights in the world. See, the Apostle Paul says, look, I struggle holding fast to the word of life. Listen, holding fast so that I may rejoice in the day of Christ that I have not run in vain or labored in vain. You got to work it out. Number four. Because every person in this room, if you're worth your salt, you want to have a grand entrance. Peter said, my grand entrance is coming. Very, very coming. You know, I always got tickled because when people joke, make, tell, tell jokes about heaven, who do they always use as the person standing in heaven that they're talking to? Peter. You know, old Peter was up in heaven, and, and they tell a joke, and they always use Peter as the one in heaven. Why? Because if you say that, nobody doubts that Peter's there. Isn't that a funny? Nobody doubts that Peter's in heaven. Even, even if you tell a just, a just a crazy non-believer and say, you know, I just a joke about Peter, and then somebody old man died and went to heaven, and him and Peter, they don't say, oh, you know, Peter's in heaven. They don't got to argue. It's just kind of guaranteed. Peter said, guys, I'm going. And when I get there, I want you to go the way I'm going. And here's what he says in verse 11. For so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly. What he's saying there is in other translations, when you get close to heaven's gates... They're going to spread wide open. And there's going to be people standing there saying, guess who's coming? Guess who's coming? He finally got here. She finally made it. He said, when you are this person and you built this house, there's an abundant, abundant moment when you go into heaven. Now, Paul talks in Corinthians about the opposite. You know, there's some people that's going to get to heaven. They're going, they're going to be standing on their slab, and they're going, they're going to just kind of barely made it through. And they, they try to build something and fall down and build. And, and you know what the Bible says? It'll for them. It'll be like walking into heaven. It'll be like walking through a fire. Not not burning. Not, not I'm talking about like burning like that. But what I mean is, it's, he's trying to describe it like you will like walk into a fire. Ain't no wide gates. It's no 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 cheering section. No. You're going to walk in, and as you're walking in, all that stuff you thought you were bringing into heaven, the Bible says is going to burn off and fall off, and here you are. You're going to, you're going to get to the other side, and you're going to be like, Whew, I made it. And somebody on the other side is going to look at you and say, two, we were wondering whether you were going to get here. We, I had bets. We had bets going on up here. We weren't sure that you were going to make it. Wasn't enough there to know it. We were hoping you didn't fall off your slab. Where you stand? I'm going to end this. The way God kind of laid it on my heart. When I was growing up, we were taught this. This was, this was part of who we were. We weren't taught what modern Christianity is taught. Emotions. Praise and worship without any substance. I get struggle sometimes with the modern praise and worship. I'm, I have ADD. So if I do anything more than three times, I'm pretty much checked out. So if you tell me to stand and say the same phrase, 47 minutes, I'm going to check out on you. I'm like, somebody should have done got that by now. Somebody is really slow. But it's nothing wrong. It's just our society. It's our church worship. We don't have any depth much to what we say. It's all a feeling, a moment. Let me show you what I mean. When I was growing up, this was a praise song. I am on the upward road, leading to the bride abode, where forever my soul shall be, shall be free. Won't that be a happy? time. Heaven's bells will sweetly chime when the home gates swing open for me. That will, that will be a happy, happy day when the clouds have passed a passed away on my cares. I shall be, shall be free when the home gates swing open for me. Now, that sounds nothing like my modern day. But when I hear that, when the home gates swing open for me, that means something. It was was songs like that. It 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 was ones like this. Everybody will be happy over there. There's a happy land of promise over in the great beyond where the saved on earth shall soon the glory share. Where the souls of men shall enter and live on forevermore. Everybody will be happy over there. Well, everybody will be happy. We'll be happy over there. We will shout and we will sing. Because everybody will be. Because there's a two part to this. I can't do both parts at the same time. Y'all killing me. If I had my mama up here right now, we could blow this thing up off the roof. Cause I sung that part, and my mom would come in there, man, they're just popping that. I was like, "Let's do it." And I'm 14 years old, and I'm like, I don't even know what I'm singing about, but it sounds good. Everybody's gonna be happy there. I want to go there. And then my favorite was always on one page there was two of them you had to remember the redback handles we didn't even name the songs we just turned the page this and turned the page that and turned the page this but on one side was the glory land way i'm in the way the bright and shining way I'm in the glory land way. Heaven is nearer as the way groweth clearer for. I'm in the glory land way. But on the other side was my favorite song. I told you the Joshua story was always powerful to me. Joshua was always powerful because in that story, the process was told. Joshua? Joshua? Go get them, boy. I got you. And this song that we used to sing reminded me of that. It was called, I'm Living in Canaan Now. And it's the way it would go. Egypt was once my home. I was a slave. Helpless in sin did roam, love light did crave, but then I looked up to heaven's dome, Christ came to save. I'm living in Canaan now, living on Canaan's side, Egypt behind, crossed over Jordan wide, land is to my soul is satisfied No longer girl, I am blind I'm a-having and giving up In Canaan, in Canaan No longer blind What did Peter say? That you'd be blinded So we lost that The church lost a lot of that We don't sing that anymore because we don't understand that anymore. We don't know if we're going to live for Him on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. We don't know what we're going to watch on TV on Thursday and Friday. We don't know what we're going to pull up on our phone. or But there used to be a time when, when they told me, Tim, you're building a house. The foundation is faith. And you can build a house that the world walks by and says, wow. Even in this crazy mixed up world, they walk by and they say, wow, what a house. And One day I trade the old house, as Peter said, God's told me it's time to come home. And I trade this old house for a house that I can only imagine. If you're in this place today, I'm not against the modern music and the modern... But there's a depth that you need to go to that this Christian world, I'm not worried about the regular world, but the Christian world doesn't go to anymore. We don't see ourselves as just traveling through this old world. We see ourselves as part of it. Peter said, until the day I die, I'm going to keep reminding you that there's something bigger to shoot for. And I came by to tell you today, until I die, I'm going to keep reminding you that there's something bigger than the little things this whole world shows you. And there's something greater to live for that the little things this old world says will get you by. With every head bowed, Father, remind us. Stir up our memory. Recall a scripture in our mind that we know we haven't grabbed yet. A freedom we're not living in yet. And give us the courage, the strength, as you told Joshua, be courageous. Don't turn left or right from my word, but meditate on it day and night. And let it build you and grow you through my spirit. So that you can possess the land. So that you can live above. Above. So the devil will have to run from you and not towards you. God, for every person in this room right now, whoever you are, that God just struck my heart, you're not right with Him. And I don't mean that like you don't believe in Him. You're, it's not that. But you have lived on this slab for so, so long. And it's gotten to where it looks so small and it's useless to you. If Somebody asked you, do you believe in God? Oh yeah, 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 I, I, I believe. But there's no substance anymore. There's no expectation anymore. It's just something you say to try to deflect a conversation God sent me by to tell you, it's time to start building on that slab. Faith without works will die. It is a dead cause. It's why you struggle. It's why you haven't abounded in your life. It's because you stopped. You said, I believe, but you stopped. God said, I'm not mad at you. I'm, I'm the promiseer. I love you. But we gotta work together from here. I can't give you what you won't work for. I can't give you what you won't claim. Whoever you are in this room this morning, with every head bow, I hope that right while we're standing here, you just cry out to God and say, God, that's me. That's me. But I don't want it to be me anymore. I don't want that to be me anymore. Holy Spirit, I'll follow. Holy Spirit, guide me. Holy Spirit, I'm going to start reading and you start showing. Holy Spirit, remind me of the promises. Holy Spirit, I'll work with you. Thank you, Father, for whoever that was, whoever that is right at this moment. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.